Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. It is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Amber Fensel, Vice President of Digital Health Engagement at Novant Health. Amber, thank you so much for setting aside the time and welcome to the show. Thank you. This is uh, something I've been looking forward to doing and appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for that. Well, why don't we get started with just a little bit of an overview of who Nawant Health is and and what is your role in the organization? Sure. Nawant Health is a not-for-profit $5.7 billion health system located in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. Across our footprint, we have around 15 facilities, outpatient and inpatient facilities, uh, about 800 clinic urgent care locations, and over 2,300 providers. So we we would be maybe a, a super regional, you may call us. Yeah, you're now in, in the role of digital patient engagement. My listeners would remember that uh, Angela Yoakum, who is uh, Chief Digital and Transformation Officer in the Wand Health, was on my podcast. It was a while back. So I'd love to really explore all the progress that Nuant Health has made, especially in the last 18 months or so. So maybe you can give us a little bit of a rundown of uh, how things have been in the last 18 months. Of course, you know, the pandemic's been uh, around that long and uh, a lot of things have changed. So I'd love to hear just a high-level overview. Sure. Angela is my new boss. So it was fun to talk to her about her time with you and, and preparing for, for speaking with you today. We have been, as you can only imagine in, in the work that you do, Patty, inundated with COVID-19 response and the need to very quickly respond to our patients to give them the access to care that, that they need and that they want. We have spent the last 18 months absolutely responding to COVID and that being a priority for our communities. But we have also tried to continue our growth and innovation towards bringing technology into the home in such a way that is meaningful and creates a a seamless experience. Before I came into this role, I was at Novant and I was working on our consumer facing product side. It was a phone call from Angela and she said, hey, how would you like to come lead this team? It's a very natural transition to come over and and have a chance now beyond just the consumer facing experience to talk about the digital health experience. And the initiatives that we have been doing, they span from innovation such as using drones. So we have a partnership with Zipline where we have instituted the delivery of supplies between our facilities. Uh, We were the first in the nation to receive FAA clearance to use a drone that is sight unseen. So we we lose sight of the drone and it covers a 30 mile radius to deliver supplies. 
Uh, we are now exploring the next use case with Zipline, and that will be to actually deliver pharmaceuticals to our patients directly to their home. So a drone is going to take their medications and safely and securely deliver that medication to their, their front yard. And that is the next thing in line with Zipline. We also partnered with a company called Hiro. Hiro AI is a conversational web voice chatbot technology, if you will. And we partnered with them for a voice bot to respond to COVID-19 vaccination questions. So we very quickly in about a four-week span worked with Hiro to develop a knowledge base of frequently asked questions related to the vaccine. And patients and community members who would call in had the option to, to speak with this voice bot to learn more about the vaccine. In a five-month span, we deflected over 13,000 calls from our, our Care Connections, our customer service phone team, to the bot for people just calling to get more information about the vaccine. So that was a highly successful initiative that we did with one of our key partners, Hiro. We have also established what we call COVID Care at Home. And this is a really great program that we will assess our inpatient COVID patients. And once they are to a place of stability that we feel that they have met a, a selection criteria and algorithm that says you are in a good place that you can actually go and recover at home and we will discharge you from our acute facility and send you home with with a care package and remote patient monitoring devices to monitor your oxygen levels and, and things such as that so that they can go home and be more comfortable. We also are able to alleviate some of the strain that's on our, our acute facilities with that program. And, and we are doing that across all of our footprint here at Novant Health. We've done some really cool things. I think Angela may have mentioned to you the work we did with Viz, Viz AI, where we have instituted technology for stroke detection. So if we have a patient that, that presents itself with stroke symptoms and signs in the emergency room while they're in the CT scanner, the Viz AI application and, and software, and quite frankly, incredible algorithm and technology that they have brought forward can assess that patient real time and detect and save millions of brain cells per minute and cut down on, on the time that is spent trying to discern what may be wrong with this patient. That technology allows us to know in minutes and call in the, the neurosurgeon, the operating room preparation, initiate all of those activities at a much faster rate. So those are just a few of the really yeah. cool things that we've done. That's awesome, you know, in, especially the, the story about the drones. And uh, I think that is one of those new emerging technologies that probably is going to play a much bigger role going forward in uh, healthcare. And it's great to hear that uh, you're the first to get FAA clearance and, and really congratulations on that. The use of AI in stroke, uh, yeah, minutes and seconds count. We know mm -hmm. that. And so that's a great use case. Chatbots, let's talk a little bit more about that, Amber. You know, I hear a lot about chatbots these days. It seems like every health system that I talk to has got some kind of a program to roll out chatbots. Of course, many have done so in the context of COVID, but they're looking to go 
beyond COVID. Can you talk a little bit about what you plan to do? What, what's the order of the possible, possible here with chatbots, at least in the next, let's say, six to 12 months? Sure. Uh, this is space near and dear to my heart. I have spent quite a lot of time at Novant uh, working with our web chat uh, capabilities, and our vendor of choice is Hiro for web and for voice. Here's what I will say. There's a lot of really interesting things that are going on in the chatbot space, and and there are some out-of-the-box products that you can turn on and, and have a, a chatbot kind of instantaneously. What I would offer is, before you just turn it on instantaneously, think about the patient, the consumer experience on the other side. Just for you to say that you've got chat and it's a poor experience really isn't worth checking that box because it's more frustrating. We've done a lot of research in this space and there's a few things that we've learned is about 60% of the digital consumers that we have surveyed want to self-serve. They want to start out self-serving and chatbots are a great way to self-serve, hands down. However, when they want to talk to a person, they still want to be able to get to a person. So you need to think about that as an organization. What is that ability to still either chat live with a human or transfer them warmly to someone on the phone if it's if it's not a web chat? So so yes, people want to self-serve and they want to engage digitally. They want to be able to do it on their term, their times, and on their mobile device. The majority also are engaging on mobile. So you want to have that, that capability and it needs to be rich, meaningful information. So to check the box and turn it on is not going to be rewarding to the patient. That's not going to buy you much either as an organization. You need to have really robust knowledge. And so that means looking for technologies like Hiro, for example, that has conversational AI and this, this robust knowledge graph that is continuously learning and growing its nodes and relationships of information and has the ability to constantly ingest, scrape, all sorts of different ways to fill the knowledge base with information and grow it you want to be able to do that in a really effective, efficient, and elegant manner. The days of chatbots that are more workflow-based, I think, are, are narrowing, and they serve its purpose for a very small use case, but they can't grow with you. So we, for example, at Novant Health, have implemented a, a chatbot with Hiro that serves as our site search for our entire website. So you may think you're, you are about to type in a search term for company information. Well, what you're actually doing is engaging with a chatbot and it will begin to have a conversation with you and ask you questions and narrow down what exactly it is that you're looking to do. Or perhaps you wanna find a physician and, and using chat to do that. I will say that the, in the space of chat and AI, Here's the piece that I think folks may not appreciate, and, and we have thankfully began to scratch the surface here. And if you have a conversational AI, some type of natural language processing capability, you are getting consumer insights firsthand. They're typing in, they're voicing in their questions. So if you take that data and then you analyze it, that is firsthand consumer information for you to make decisions against. That is rich, that is robust, and that is invaluable. And I think the more that we, we find entities implementing this type of technology and then using that data to turn it into meaningful information, that will be a pivot for that entity to start making very different decisions, very yeah. consumer-focused decisions. 
That's great. I actually, you've combined two or three different technology tools right there in that uh, in that description. You've talked about chatbots, but you've also talked about voice enablement of the chatbots. You've talked about AI at the back end that analyzes the data and can intelligently guide your consumers. That's great. So you're, you're really taking advantage of all of the tools that are available to you. Uh, tell us about maybe a couple more that you're working on. You don't need to name partners if you haven't really formally announced it or anything, but at least in terms of the broad functional areas. A couple other things that you're working on that are going to roll out in the next uh, year or so. Yeah, I'm happy to share one of our biggest programs that we, along with many other healthcare systems, are exploring is hospital at home. So the idea to take remote patient monitoring, which has become a bit expected, let's say, and truly creating an inpatient experience with the same quality and same care within the home. So the idea to create this experience is very similar to what we did with the tele-ICU. So we we have the the stroke technology with BizAI. We've also created an experience for tele-ICU where we have a command center of experts in the field that are monitoring it, right? And then we have our hospitalists that that are rounding. Well, hospital at home takes that to the home at a much grander level, right? You've got this healthcare. Home is the new healthcare hub, let's be honest. And We are going to bring an experience into the patient's home that will allow for all of their care management, whether it is behavioral health related, whether it may be pharmaceutical or some sort of integrative medicine. It can be something that is more acute for those patients who are better suited to be in the comfort of their home and, and have the right home environment. It's gonna include labs, it will include imaging, even the ability to do any type of paramedic services, let's say someone's running low on their oxygen and from our command center, we will be able to dispatch that paramedic to them immediately through the monitoring and through the technology, but also through the talent that is sitting in that command center and doing the monitoring. So this will be the next great program that we, we really bring to life. We've began to do it already in things like the COVID care at home program. But what we want to do is to take these individual experiences with a robust set of talent at the command center and stitch it together to take the hospital into the home and provide that level of care, just as if they were inside our our four walls and the brick and mortar, we'll have the same quality metrics. We will have the same expectations for our providers, but in a much more accessible and affordable modality, quite honestly. It's another mode to deliver care. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. That's great. And again, hospital at home is another theme that we keep hearing a lot. And again, it's all work in progress. Obviously, the question that arises when we talk about all these different cool technologies and cool solutions is how do you make it all seamless? How do you make it all work in a in a hybrid fashion where you've got virtual care modalities at one end, but you've also got inpatient care? And you come from the consumer product side of things, so you probably are more acutely familiar with uh, the challenges that consumers go through as a consumer. You know, the seamlessness that you expect may not exist today. And so as a service provider, as a healthcare service provider, how do you really go about 
ensuring that the experience is in no way, it doesn't degrade in any way by moving services from the hospital to the home. Uh, so the first part of the question, the second part would be, how do you make technology choices in this context? What do you really look for when, when you're picking somebody to be your technology partner in this journey? There's a lot in that question. So hopefully I'll, I'll hit on all the points that you're looking for, if not interject. So the seamless consumer experience is quite the challenge. And I am sure, Patty, in, in the work that you do with your firm, you see it on a daily basis. The healthcare technology field has been peppered with point solutions and a lot of really good ones, a lot of really great ones that came out of COVID as well. I was reading this weekend, there was in the first half of 2021, NRC Health reported $14.7 billion in venture funding for health technology. Yeah. $14.7 billion in the first half of this year. It's huge. It's booming. That was more than all of 2020 combined. So in the first half, they blew through what they had raised in all of 2020. So you can you can see where that trend line is going. Yes, yes. It's incredible. So there's a lot of great technology out there, but the stitching together of it is where the challenge comes in. They, and that's what you alluded to. And what I would offer to listeners is when you were looking to solve a problem, you have to step up and out to look across obviously the whole spectrum of your ecosystem and at Novant Health that's what we really have become very focused on doing is looking at it from an ecosystem standpoint rather than a problem solving standpoint so I think that that's one differentiator of how you first evaluate and then certainly make decisions is think about the perspective in which you are you're analyzing from and look at it ecosystem so for us we will always It is first and foremost to our core, the patient-centric model where digital health is looking at the patient at the very center. And I would think of it like like concentric ellipses. So you have the patient in the center and then you have this provider enablement that has to wrap around that. So I'm gonna come back to that, it's an important point. Around your providers, you have clinical operations and then you have technology that's wrapping all of that. So, For you to create a great patient experience and consumer experience, you have to remember that there's a provider on the other side to deliver that service, whether it's in a digital format or it could be in person. And that is a very difficult scale to balance. If it's great for the patient, it might not always be so great for the provider and what they have to do. So you really have to look at technology through both of those lenses and figure out what's a nice compromise to meet in the middle, right? right? And your clinical operations are so burdened right now from from the volumes and the strain of of COVID for sure. Certainly uh, people that are trying to get back in for delayed healthcare and then the, I call it a potpourri of point solutions that we have brought into our clinical operations to try to solve problems. And, if we don't consider how inefficient a new solution may be to the clinic, then we're doing those folks a disservice and the patient's going to have a bad experience. So you really have to think about that piece as well. And the technology to wrap it, you asked, how do you, how does Novant Health think about it and, and approach it? We are looking for a really strong, solid backbone of infrastructure to facilitate this. And it has to be a strong foundation that's going to allow for growth. It's going to allow stability. 
and it's certainly going to be scalable. So as we expand in the, to the hospital at home or as we expand into a new digital medicine capability inside the four walls of Novant Health, has to be able to easily integrate. And I think that too is another differentiating factor when you're looking at technology to bring in or a point solution is what's the integration factor here? How easy or hard is it going to be? And I think there's also a call to, to our electronic health record systems to make integration easier. There are great things that, that our EHRs do and they do it well as that system of record. But then there's some things that, that they really don't and, and we need to easily integrate into the, those spaces. And that today isn't so easy. So you have to you have to consider that in your evaluation because right. the integration to the EHR is what matters for your clinical team. So you mentioned a couple of really interesting and important points there. And this we hear this again through all the conversations we have as a part of our work. Number one, the integration piece is key. Without a robust integration infrastructure, you are not going to be able to create those seamless experiences. And not only that, there are other consequences as well. If you're not able to capture the encounters properly, you're not able to bill for it, you're not able to, this, this downstream impact of that. So that's one part of it. And the other one, which I think was a very, very critical comment that you made was patient experience uh, cannot be at the expense of the provider experience, mm-hmm. right? So when you're designing these uh, user experiences, you are necessarily going to have to take into consideration the provider's role in all this, because the providers are eventually going to have to work with the solution, they're going to have to recommend it to their patients, and they're going to have to find ways to train themselves and their patients in order to increase your adoption rate. And so I think those were uh, very, very well said. Now, when you look at this large and growing landscape of digital health solution providers, and as you rightly mentioned, there's a vast amount of VC money that is pouring into this sector. But again, to your point, many of these are uh, small companies. They are very young companies. Uh, it's a very fragmented landscape. And many of them are operating at subscale. So what does it take for them? And what is the risk you take? And how do you really manage it? You know, if, if there's one or two things that you do to make sure, besides the technology aspect of it, how do you de-risk yourself tomorrow if one of them let's say it goes under uh, for whatever reason, then uh, how, do you, how do you pull yourself out of it? I'm sure you give some thought to it. So I'd love to hear you know, any one or two recommendations that you have based on your own experience. Sure. Thankfully, I've not found myself in those shoes, but I absolutely have thought about it. So risk management, mitigation, the planning and organizing work really thoughtfully is at the core of, of how I operate and relationships. So for me to go in, and I'm going to speak from, from my perspective and not necessarily as an enterprise or as an entity at Novant Health, when I go in to look at a new vendor, there are definitely some challenging questions that I'm going to ask them. And a lot of it is to figure out how reality versus the optimistic view that, that those providers are, are typically going to, going to present. The, the marketing versus the... Right, the, the marketing and the uh, the sales pitch versus the reality of, of what it is. So I will always double whatever they tell me, unless it is you know, a very seasoned software provider, service provider with a proven track record. Anybody else, I'm going to double what you tell me. I'm going to start also managing expectations with my partners, within my internal partners, right, and my internal stakeholders. 
The other thing that I, I do is I bring in a variety of perspectives and talents to credibly challenge the pitch, the solution from, from a variety of angles. I am not the smartest person in the room, but there are a lot of smart people around me that have great expertise. And, and so credibly challenging from, from their vantage points is critical to me to really uncover how viable are they as a solution. Certainly there's a financial conversation of how viable are they financially that, right. that we're going to have and explore. And then there's a there's a level of, for me, honesty and transparency I'm looking for in the relationship that I start to form with folks that we're courting. And discernment serves me well to, to realize where the pitch may be a little, little more mirrored than actual reality. And all that's kind of fluffy. None of that was very tangible for you to take back and say, do this one yeah. new thing. But, you know, all of those things combined, those are how I enter into those relationships. But I will I will also have a scorecard and the scorecard is going to be different. Right. I mean, we're all familiar with doing some type of evaluation of scorecard, but the scorecard allows me to take away any subjectivity based on relationship or conversations, you know, positive or negative, and that of my internal partners as well. So that when we sit down and we compare company A to company B, the solution sets is relatively the same, but let's say culturally or financially, you know, there's some risk factors there that don't align. We have a, a more objective way to make yeah. that decision. Absolutely. And it sounds a lot like what uh, we're used to as well. So seems to me like you have robust processes in place. I don't want to come, that's a nice segue to, the, to, to one of the topics that I wanted to explore with you, which is around governance. How do you govern your digital initiatives and your digital health programs and Nuant Health? You know, how do you bring people along? How do you make sure that cross-functional leadership is involved? How do you make sure you're prioritizing things the way they're meant to and they align with organizational needs or goals or whatever? Can, can you talk a little bit about governance in general? Sure. Uh, so important, so important to have structure and governance in place. And I would say at Novant Health, ours has started at the very top. We have a very innovative, digitally focused CEO. And my boss now, Angela Yoakum, she is our chief digital officer and she's our chief transformation officer. And she reports directly to the CEO. So we have a leadership structure in place to support the digital growth, the advancement, the innovation, and having that support is monumental and I think key to success. If you are an organization that hasn't quite adopted that model, I would challenge you to think about it. The investment and the level of engagement from across your organization will change positively with that model. Now, that being said, we also realize that in the digital space, Digital health is one thing, and it actually used to sit within our medical group. And then a couple of years ago, I believe, they, they really realized digital health spans far beyond just our normal clinical practices. And so they lifted it out, and they put that arm within, within the digital product and services group in which we sit. And so that allows us to be surrounded with more technology and innovative tech skill sets right? When we're looking to, to solve our problems and introduce new things. But from a governance standpoint, we have a digital care steering committee that is comprised of key stakeholders in the organization from 
our financial partners, from our strategy partners, from our revenue growth partners, and most importantly, from our medical practice. And so that steering committee is, is an avenue where we can bring forward new ideas, certainly vet you know, what those new ideas may be, bump it up against some internal criteria, and then also hear from them things that may be on their mind. Uh, we have a, a very close partnership with our medical group, and we, outside of the steering committee, we have regular cadence report outs and touch bases on key initiatives. But I would say that that steering committee really helps to, to be the glue to bring us all together where we will very intentionally talk about, here's what we wanna do and here's where we wanna go. Here's the reality of what's happening within the medical group from the front lines. Maybe we want to do it, but because of the surge, we have had to make some, some changes and priorities to delay because our clinical partners need to be serving our patients in the community. That is the forum and that group, that core group of individuals help us to make those decisions and to talk about it. And, and I will say our, our clinical partners embrace technology. They embrace the efficiencies that technology can bring. They also keep us very honest on the point that I talked about before and what is the lift and the impact to their clinical team members and not just our patients. So it's caring for the patient, giving him the best experience possible, while also enabling that provider to do it effectively and efficiently. That's great, that's great. We are coming up to the end of our time here together, Amber. And uh, before we close, I'd just love to, for the benefit of our listeners, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what are maybe the one or two things you've learned personally in this journey that you've been on at Nuant Health that you'd like to share with our listeners and with your peers across the industry? Yes, I have been impressed, surprised, and educated through consumer insights that I was never privy to the level of detail and insights there in prior lives. By that, I mean, at Novant Health, we have a consumer patient focused group called Community Voice. And so, that function, which is a part of my digital health and engagement team, has about 6,000 volunteer patients, team members, and community members that will take surveys that we send out because they are interested in providing us feedback. And what we may think is a good idea. Yeah, we got to do this. This is going to be a game changer. This is, yeah. you know, it's great for the patient. It's not a big deal to to the providers. And then we will go and we'll test this concept with our community voice members. It's a very diverse group of individuals and we create these surveys to get their feedback and, and we'll find out something that we think has gotta be the next great thing. It's really not that important. Or what we thought was a great idea is good and the way we, we wanted to deliver it is not at all how that consumer would wanna receive it. And so my point is, Finding a way to glean those insights from your demographics and your community, I think that piece is critical and different and very important because it's part of your community. So you know that it is impactful and it represents those in which you are serving. If you are gaining your insights from a different source that's, that is interesting and absolutely can be a factor, I have been impressed and find that our community members who participate and give us direct feedback allows us 
Sometimes it's directionally the same as, you know, perhaps a national survey on a similar topic, but it's typically different enough to make a, an impact on how Novant Health wants to choose to deliver that particular concept. So I would say that that is first and foremost. And what I mentioned earlier is the insights that you can gain from digital interactions with your patients to predict behaviors, to identify trends quick enough that you can react and respond to them so that the either the experience is better or perhaps there is a new opportunity in those trends that is good for your system to explore. So for me in this role and, and the work that I've been doing at Novant Health the last couple of years, the access to meaningful insights to make decisions has been delightful and impactful in how we have made decisions that I've been a part of. That's wonderful. So in other words, uh, the cool tech isn't where you start. You start with really what the consumers need and want and are looking for. And if there happens to be cool tech that can deliver what they need, even better, right? Even better, <laughs> even better. But if, if they're not interested in it, you can have all the cool stuff you want. Nobody's yeah. going to use it. Nobody's going to use it. That's very well said. Amber, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you once again for coming on my podcast. And uh, I look forward to following all the progress that I know you're going to make over the next 12 months or so. All the very, very best to you and your team and to Noah Hill. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, Patty. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Palbox.